What's going on, guys? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this solo episode of the podcast. I break down the college football playoffs, NFL Week 17, and give you a little end-of-decade retrospective. It was a lot of fun to record. I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. Just to let you guys know, Greg and I will be back on New Year's Day to recap all of the New Year's Bowls, the Winter Classic, and give you a preview of the NFL playoffs for the Wild Card Weekend. So get any questions that you have to us on either Twitter at ThunderBLG, on Facebook or Instagram, Thunderblog Sports, the handle's there. Leave it in the show notes on ThunderblogSports.com. But you got to make sure that you go subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Jam on that subscribe button. Leave a nice little five-star review. We'll give you a shout-out. But enjoy this episode, guys. Have a happy and safe new year. I appreciate all of your guys' support. And here we go. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. I, of course, am Jordy Cannell, the G-Man, a solo pod, the final podcast of the decade on the Bullpen Card podcast feed coming your way. I wanted a chance to check in because we didn't get a podcast up before the college football playoff, before week 17, and both of those, Saturday and Sunday this past weekend, were incredible. If you are a football fan, I wanted to talk about that. I also want to talk about end-of-decade stuff. If you are newer to the Thunderblog, you probably don't know that I've done a New Year's Eve blog post. I'm still going to do that, but basically it's a post of kind of a year in review, but as it is the end of the decade, I wanted to do something for that, and I figured a podcast talk about where we've been with the Thunderblog and the podcast, where I've been, where I was, where I am now. I think that would be pretty cool. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. If you are more interested in that, I'll put a timestamp in for the decade stuff, but I want to talk about this weekend, and, and I think this might be something that might turn into a weekend thing, almost like a Sunday night recap of what happened, maybe a golf recap, a golf podcast. Um, I really want to get more into covering golf on the podcast since we do mainly baseball, football, a little bit of hockey, very little basketball, but we want to try to do more of that too, kind of more stuff of 2020 plans, but figure... Golf is something that's very important to me. I'll talk about that in the decade stuff, and I figured might as well talk about it on Tiger's birthday. That is today. I'm recording it Monday, December 30th, and yeah, I think if you guys like that idea of a Sunday night thing, talk about golf, talk about things that happened that weekend, whether it's the Sixers and Flyers or the football playoffs or whatever else is going on, um, kind of make it evolve as it goes and it'll be fun that way i don't know let me know what you guys think in the show notes i'm pretty interested in that idea and i'd like doing the podcast idea more so than trying to blog it because i feel like i get my ideas out as rambly as they might be better on the podcast medium rather than on the blog space but let me know we'll we'll go with it from there but let's jump into last weekend the college football playoff of saturday along with a bunch of other bowls which were a lot of them were pretty pretty awesome. Penn State versus Memphis and kind of a back-and-forth game there until, until uh, I was about to say Memphis' defense. Penn State's defense took over. But the college football playoff, it's what we all came here to see. First game, LSU-Oklahoma. 
LSU completely dominates. Joe Burrow looks incredible. They go on to end up winning huge in this continuation of the storybook season. Of They beat Bama. They, f- they finally get through that hump. They get over the hump of winning the SEC. They get the number one seed instead of Ohio State. And, you know, they proved it. And they proved why they needed to be there. Burrow really is just riding high from that Heisman with so much swag. A lot of people are talking about having him start for the Bengals. That he should have started for the Bengals last Sunday against the Browns, although they didn't end up needing that. Um, if Could LSU win the, the NFC East, which is pretty funny to think as an Eagles fan. And their defense looked incredible, too. Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts. They kind of this let down year you know they they end up losing to kansas state that's part of why they had to end up beating baylor coming back in the regular season game and then having to beat him again in the the big 12 championship and having to have utah fall in the pac-12 championship a lot of stuff there that ended up helping get them to the playoffs but once again another dud and you've seen it a couple times now obviously there was the baker mayfield game in the rose bowl a couple years ago but you saw it against clemson in 2016 and you see, you you know, last year you saw it too and with Kyler Murray. And I don't know. I don't know if it's something where we need to figure out how we're getting teams in. If, the, if, it's, something, it's, if it's something, again, with with like Notre Dame getting in and, and thinking in that regard. But I don't know. This is more about LSU. It's about Coach O. Go Taga! And how dominant they were. I'm very excited for them. I, I, I've said this before on the podcast. I'm a little annoyed that the college football playoff final is still two weeks away. Why is it not next Monday? Uh, I get New Year's Day is a Wednesday, and there's the Rose Bowl and all that stuff, and you want to kind of space it out. You have other bowl games that are filling in, and then you're just basically telling us to take a week off, go watch the NFL playoffs, and now, boom, a week later after the divisional round, you get the college football playoff national championship. I get you want to give them a week or more than a week off and all that stuff, but it's eight days. I I really don't like the spacing of the college football playoff. I think if they do expand, said this a billion times, make the first round before Christmas. If you're gonna, if you're all about this more than a week off stuff, you don't need it that spaced out. But anyway, let's talk Clemson Ohio State because that game was absolutely insane. Very back and forth. Ohio State comes up with this incredible lead that you were not expecting one bit and. It was almost Ohio State shutting the haters up. I got to say it that way. Um, I came into it thinking maybe that their defense would step up big, and would they? How would they respond that way? And you know, they they kind of did a little bit. They go up thirteen nothing. Clemson, though, you got to give them all the credit in the world. They are the defending national champions, and it, I think it was Dabo finally saying, you know, fuck it, we've been told we're not this good team because we almost lost to UNC, the ACC's been down, yada, 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 and they not only rally from it, but it goes back and forth, there's a couple controversial calls there, um, and they pull out this win, and now they go to face LSU, it's it's Clemson versus the SEC, finally not Alabama, but you know it's still that same narrative, and it's going to be fun to watch, again, a little annoyed that it's, you know, it's two weeks away, not a week away, because I would love to see it. Uh, right now, the Orange Bowl is going on. Florida's up big on on Virginia. They're up 12 points, but Virginia's in the red zone. So keep you posted on that. You might be watching this, and you know the result. So you get to hear uh, hear me talk about it as, as it all goes on. But let's, uh, 
let's jump over to week 17, the NFL. Normally week 17, most of you know this, kind of a dud day. Unless your team is playing for something like the Eagles needing to beat the Giants to win the NFC East for me. That's all I really cared about. There's always that one game that ends up deciding a division, that ends up being Sunday Night Football, which we'll talk about in a second, the Niners-Seahawks game and how wild that was. So that's really where I've always come into Week 17 of everything else you kind of keep a you know an eye on. You get some score alerts of seeing, oh, the Packers did this, the, the Patriots did that, and so on and so forth. Or usually it's not even the Patriots because they're usually the sitting players. They actually had to play for something this week. And we'll talk about that in a second. We're going to start in the NFC in the game that I was referring to. And the Eagles having to beat the Cowboys or having to beat the Giants after beating the Cowboys last week. And the Cowboys end up having this dominant performance against the Redskins. And it, it came short because of the Eagles and the great statement win. I got to put it that way of this game where. Even into the third quarter where they're kind of keeping the Giants in it and they finally just say, screw it, after so many different players go down. Miles Sanders gets hurt. The Boston Scott, it's the second the second coming of Boston Scott against the Giants. And Greg Ward is another big game. You have all these different guys and it's just a huge testament to how this team has stepped up. And it's a lot of what they did two years ago except the reverse of you had all the starters and, and the... In the skill positions and most of the offensive line still healthy and and Nick Foles obviously the backup quarterback and now you have Carson Wentz a really banged up line which that's the biggest concern I have going into the playoffs and no one that he's throwing to he's the first Eagles quarterback to ever eclipse 4,000 yards he's the first NFL quarterback to to reach over 4,000 yards in a single season and none of his receivers go over 500 yards so gotta give my boy credit I, uh, you know, the Carson people that were saying start McCown or anything like that, I told you so. Matty V told you so. Subscribe to the podcast because we're telling you so. <laughs> um, but I'm very excited for the Eagles to be there. They're facing the Seahawks in the first round who had themselves quite a game on Sunday Night Football. I mentioned it. Wild finish with the San Francisco 49ers where literally came down to an inch the Seahawks were driving, potentially could have won that game. And, you know, as great as that game was, I'm and as good of, of a team as the Seahawks look like they are, I'm glad that the 49ers end up winning. Uh, if it's the reverse, Seahawks end up completing that. They call it a touchdown, whatever. However that ends up happening, they don't have to delay a game penalty. Marshawn Lynch runs it in, or they call two runs. However it goes. If the Seahawks end up winning, they go 12-4. and four. They're the three seed. Packers are the one. Saints are the two. 49ers are the, are the five seed facing the Eagles here in Philly on Sunday. And I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I'd be very worried as an Eagles fan facing the 49ers. But the, the 49ers, I think, have been the, the more complete team uh, maybe the Saints, but the 49ers beat them, so they deserve that that one seed over the Saints. Those are the two teams, though, that I'm tabbing for probably coming out of the NFC. Love to say the Eagles. I'm going to be rooting for the Eagles, but I don't know. Those two teams are pretty good. Uh, we've seen what the Saints can do. We see that they really turned it up on Sunday of Week 17 when you know they did need to win. They wanted to put themselves in the position to get that two seed if the Seahawks were able to pull that out. I I don't know what the scenario would have been if they had lost and the Seahawks had won, if they would still be the three and the Seahawks would be the two. 
Um, I did not have that. I did not have that in my notes, so I apologize. But you know, Alvin Kamara goes off. They have this great game. The Packers they end up having a, a wild back and forth game with the Detroit Lions, and you almost think, are they going to screw this thing up? Which you know, some teams did. They end up going. They end up having to kick a field goal. I almost said go to overtime, but Mason Crosby dings it off the side of the crossbar to win that game, give him a bye, and now we're in this position where the Saints are there. They're playing the Vikings, who they've had these two dud games. The Minnesota Vikings have. I know they were sitting a lot of a lot of players because they were locked into the two seed. The Bears end up winning there, but that that game of two weeks ago against the Packers. Really, it, it has me very worried. If if you want a rematch of the Minnesota Miracle, and you want the if you're a Saints fan, and you want that revenge. I, I think it bodes really well for you. You're going to they're coming to the dome. They're going to be loud. It's going to be an awesome environment to see. Um, I just really I you know I I think Kirk Cousins is not going to have a great game. They have the worst strength of victory. Of playoff teams, oh no, they're they no, they are no, they're worse than the Bills. They have the worst strength of victory, which is the average of all of your wins, all of your the teams you beat. Winning percentage is averaged up. Theirs is th- is three is three fifty six. Um, the next highest of playoff teams is the Eagles at four seventeen. The Green Bay Packers are at four twenty eight. All those teams did have to play the NFC East. Uh, the Eagles had to play them. The other team six times. The Packers and Vikings had to play them three times, but still, that that helps in terms of uh, lowering your strength of victory. But I digress. It becomes the scenario where, if you're a Saints fan, you got to be pretty excited where they are. Um, I think that it's either Saints or 49ers. I'd like to see that in Santa Clara for the NFC Championship game. I don't think the Packers. I know you got to go to Lambeau if you're if you're the Saints. Uh, assuming they beat the Vikings, and I think they're going to. But, you know, I the Packers, we've seen a lot. We've seen all different types of scenarios of really good defense, really bad defense, really good offense, shaky offense. And I don't know. I don't know if a week is going to help them on either way. I think their defense has, has gotten a little more banged up as time's gone on, and the Saints have just gotten more and more fun to watch. And I think with Kamara going like how he was, I think if you get Latavius Murray picking it up a little more, Taysom Hill is always a wild card. I don't know. I just think Sean Payton can uh, can outsmart you if you're if you're the Green Bay Packers and you're watching it there. And I know Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl. Aaron Jones looks great, and Devontae Adams has been awesome since he got back from injury. And maybe that maybe that ends up helping be be a difference maker. But I feel like you need a couple receivers to really make a difference against the New Orleans Saints. But let's talk AFC because. That was just as wild as the NFC. You had the Baltimore Ravens sitting practically everybody, and they still end up beating the Steelers, knocking them out of the playoffs because the Tennessee Titans ended up beating the Houston Texans. And I'm glad that that happened because, and this is, I don't want to piss off Steelers fans here, but your offense is not fun to watch. And I feel like if you have them playing the, St- the you have the Steelers playing the Patriots, even with their defense looking good, I don't think they go into Foxborough and have really a good shot at shutting down the Patriots. I know that they they ended up scoring a bunch of points and their defense looked a little shaky against the Dolphins and they end up getting the three seed. But I think that's probably a one-off thing. They're probably looking ahead to the playoffs a little bit. 
Maybe something like that. Maybe it's a Jedi mind trick that Bill Belichick is throwing at us. But I don't know. It's it's something that I, I don't trust their offense to get it done. I don't really trust their defense to. And Tom Brady in the playoffs at home is something else. So I'm glad the Steelers didn't. The Titans is going to be a fun game to see up in Foxborough. Because we saw what Derrick Henry did yesterday. He sat out two weeks ago and that... Ended up, ended up costing the Titans a little bit where they probably could end up winning that game in, in Week 16. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, he ends up looking great on the final day of the season against the Texans in Houston. And you you were... I forgot that the Bills were, were locked into the five. They sat everybody that lost to the Jets. It's whatever. But it was almost one of those scenarios where you're thinking, the Titans are looking like a team that could come into this that with looking like they want to just run it back and play the the Titan the Texans again in in you know, this in the next round in the in the wild card round obviously it didn't happen the Bills locked into their 5 seed they're playing the Texans that's probably it's going to kick off the weekend pretty well uh, as a show note Greg and I are going to touch base on New Year's Day to talk about week 17 we're going to talk about all the New Year's Day games we're going to talk a little winter classic it's going to be going to be a good show but uh, that, that could be one of the more exciting games. I think the Patriots game will be too. Eagles-Seahawks could be exciting. There's a lot to unpack there for the Eagles' offenses. Their defense has gotten a little more healthy, especially since the last time they played the Seahawks right before Thanksgiving. So we'll uh, we'll see how this all goes, especially because that was the, uh, the depths of the season. But, you know, it all happens. It's a process. And brings us to our next topic, the Sixers. Little Sixers talk. They had a wild finish Miami the other night where, if you didn't catch this, I happened to be flipping between this and the Ohio State-Clemson game, but the Sixers were down in Miami. Their third and final game against the Heat. Obviously have the uh, the whole Jimmy Butler thing with that. And they uh, proved to be one of the more frustrating road teams after coming off the, the huge, huge Christmas Day victory. They lose in Orlando Friday night. They have this wild overtime game that have all these calls that should have been non-calls, non-calls that should have been foul calls, all this crazy stuff, including a replay of whether or not a ball hit off a rim that Ben Simmons ends up tipping in to send this thing to overtime. And now you have the Sixers. They end up losing it. The the Heat shooting the lights out. The Sixers actually playing pretty well too, but especially after a night where they don't score 100 points against the Orlando Magic. But nonetheless, Sixers in... I'm not too worried, you know. I, I don't want to sound I don't want to sound too crass, but or too cocky. I know they're they're a couple game they're a game and a half behind the Celtics in the division, and I know that doesn't really matter in the NBA. They're still behind the the Raptors, technically, even though they're the same games back. They have more wins, but also more losses, so that's a lower winning percentage. Uh, you know, I but again, I'm I'm not too worried. I think that's going to be something that figures itself out as as time goes on of figuring them out on the road at home, they're, they're a presence. I mean, it's, it's something that's, that's undeniable. I know they dropped two games in that Miami game from a couple weeks ago where they almost ended up tying it up. And then uh, the Dallas game that ended up being a real dud. So we don't want to talk about that, but I don't know with, with Joel seeming to start to find himself a little more, Ben Simmons looking pretty good. Josh Richardson looking more and more healthy. I feel like this team is really, really finding its stride. So, I'm not terribly worried about them at this point. Um, 
Elsewhere in the NBA, you know, you have a lot, you know, a lot of good stories coming out there. I don't know what to think about the Lakers. I don't think they're that good. I was glad the Clippers won. I think they're a better team. I know the Lakers have a pretty good record. Uh, but I, I just think, again, for the long term, there's so much in the NBA that I feel like is so much more fluid than in previous seasons where you figure it's going to be the Warriors and... This team, last year you didn't really know with the East, but you knew it was going to be the Warriors and it ended up being that. Even when Kevin Durant got banged up in the playoffs, they still ended up taking care of business against the Rockets. Now, you know, there's a handful of teams and it's, it's fun to have that in the NBA. Um, that's something we're probably going to talk about more with both Third and Girl, Emily, my lovely fiance, have not mentioned that on the podcast. So we did get engaged. I'm going to talk about that a little bit, the decade stuff, but very excited about that. Along with the hockey, and that brings me over to the Flyers, who... Also not the best road team in terms of Philadelphia sports, but uh, they pulled off a pretty big victory. Well, on uh, on Saturday night, they got blown out in San Jose, but Sunday night, they're down in Anaheim. They end up getting a nice 2-1 overtime victory. Kevin Hayes, not a big deal. A nice little deke of a goal. And you know, the Flyers find themselves in this interesting spot in the NHL right now where they're in a very tough division that is actually very tight. For the first time in a while, the Metropolitan Division is the cream of the Eastern Conference crop. In fact, it is better than a good amount of the Western Conference. The Flyers would be ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights in the Pacific Division right now. Uh, Vegas is, is still a pretty solid squad. They have Mark Andre Fleury. Their offense has been pretty great since trading for Mark Stone last year. Obviously, they had the whole thing with San Jose in the playoffs. But on the Flyers, you know... I'd love to, if I had time, to do some sort of variance and standard deviation of both home and away goals and goals against, as well as game to game. They're very fun to watch, and you have these games where they lose 6-1 on Saturday night in San Jose. They come out completely sluggish. That's been one of their bigger problems all season long, is the first period has been very tough. Second period, they they usually find their stride. Didn't Saturday. They They did Sunday. Third period, they're one of the best teams in hockey. Not so much either night. But they have these games where, and last Monday was this case where we were at the game against the Rangers. It's a, it's this tight game. And all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. The Flyers score all these goals. End up winning huge. And they've done that a couple times now. And they're able to score in spurts. They're able to pick up Carter Hart and Brian Elliott, both of whom are playing outstanding. They're both keeping the Flyers in these games that they Otherwise, wouldn't if Brian Elliott of the past, who was banged up, you know, sometimes he loses that confidence and ends up letting in some soft goals. Carter Hart, who's now in his second year, his first full year in the big show. Uh, I guess technically last year you would count it as a full year, even though he got called up in December. But his second year in the league looks great, and they're keeping the team in it. And that's that's going to be a key for them throughout this season. I'd like to see a little more production and defense. Uh, both points-wise, but also just, just crisper passes, better breakouts. You're seeing a lot of tra- stretch plays the Flyers are trying to do. And it works out. I mean, it, it works for for some plays, but there's a lot of bad turnovers, and I'd like to see that try to dissipate. The breakout, you got to be stronger. you got to see you got to see not a lot of these fucking weird turnovers on the sideboards. Um, you know, trying to get it out at the half board or right around the blue line and... Yeah, I you just cut the turnovers. The giveaways are, are really killing you. And you know, you're at this plus you're at this plus eleven goal differential. You're sitting in fourth place in the division. 
your one of the your the fifth place team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, you're ahead of Toronto, um, which you know, right now you'd be actually playing the Islanders if the playoffs started today, which would be interesting. Right now, though, with the NHL's current format, that they, they would be playing the Boston Bruins as the one as the top wild card team, which would be interesting. A little Greg versus Jordy showdown, but. You know, and I know the Flyers won a game in Boston when they were up there about a month ago, but even a month and a half now at this point. But they got to get better on the road. They're nine, ten, and one. They're great at home. Only two regulation losses and at home, but they gotta they gotta come out strong. They gotta figure out with the with what it takes to get the get the boys going, get the locker room going to come out for the first period strong on the road, and that's that's definitely one of their. One of their weaker points um, at this point, they've pretty much played everybody in their division. Uh, I think they've played everybody in the Eastern Conference too. They still got to make their, they still got to make a couple more trips to, to a couple different stadiums. But I think everybody's at least come to Philly uh, of the East. But you know where the Eastern Conference is right now. Tampa Bay is getting hotter and hotter. Florida's catching their stride. Toronto's really caught fire since firing Mike Babcock. So. You know, you just hope that they can keep pace with all of this, which I think they can. But that, again, you need to see a little more consistency out of it. I'd like to see the goal scoring be a little more consistent too. Again, I'd like to see that standard deviation. Stack guy G man here going with his uh, little math degree, talking about that in terms of consistency. But Carolina, they're they're still looking strong too, and they're right on the Flyers' tail. Uh, you know, only three points separate the Penguins from second place to. The Flyers, and this is the first wild card, and they're only a point up on Carolina. So four points between the Penguins and Carolina on everything. And, and you know, the Penguins are another team, too, that they, they haven't played a lot on the road, and they are also under five hundred at 8-7-2. and two. So it'll be very interesting to see. The Penguins, though, you got to give them credit of all the different injuries they've had and where Tristan Jari has come into play, especially with uh, Matt Murray being a little bit of a head case. Their offense has been clicking. Tristan Jari has all these different shutouts. So, so props to them. Islanders doing the same thing that we've seen. They've tripped up a little bit, so now they've relinquished that second spot to the Penguins. But if you're going to talk the Eastern Conference, you got to talk Capitals and Bruins. And I think right now, similarly to how I feel about the NFC, I would enjoy seeing a Capitals and Bruins series in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that'd be a lot of fun. As much as I'd love to see the Flyers... Make a run, see Carter Hart catch absolute fire. It's uh, it's going to be a battle to get over the, either of those humps. If the Flyers either have to start against the Bruins or start against the Capitals or face the Capitals in the second round or wherever it goes, uh, it's going to be a battle. And those two teams are definitely the, the tops of the East, and deservedly so. They have two of the best goal scorers in the NHL right now, Pasternak and Ovechkin, respectively. They have great goalies. They have great defensemen. Great guys on the, on the rest of the offense too. You don't really want to sound like I'm, you know, putting down any other players on either team. But they're you know they're everything that the NHL would want in terms of marketing it all, and and you got to respect that. Um, Greg and I'll probably talk more more hockey. You know, obviously the the Winter Classic is Dallas and Nashville. Uh, Nashville really, really going ice cold right now. Um, coming into that, into that, so we'll see, see what that that ends up being. Um, St. Louis once again catching fire right around Christmas time, right around the New Year. But this year they're on an eight game winning streak instead of having to do it right after the New Year. It's right before 
that they're on fire. So good for them. But Greg and I, I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot more, especially now that football is wrapping up. It's something that we want to try to do a little more uh, going into 2020 and where we want to be. So I don't know. Let us know what you think, though, because we do want to try to get back into blue line icing and all this different stuff. Uh, before I get to the end of the decade stuff, though, wanted to give a couple movie recs. Uh, if you haven't seen Star Wars Episode Nine, you either have not had the time to, you're not a Star Wars fan. I was a fan of it. I know that's a little bit of a controversial take because of, uh, you know, some people didn't like that I just said fuck you to, to The Last Jedi and, and that those two movies don't really blend. Uh, I, I did like it, though. I don't want to dive too much into it because I don't want to piss off anybody. But um, if you want to you want to talk to me about Star Wars, just at me, Jordo9 on Twitter or, or Instagram. But, I, you know, I'm not equipped to go full into a Star Wars deep dive and I don't want to sound misinformed. Uh, the other movie, though, that I saw... Mentioned it a little bit of week seventeen, you know, kind of kept my eye on a couple other things that were going on. That you know, some of the games, but I did something else before the Eagles. I went and saw Uncut Gems yesterday, uh, Adam Sandler movie with Kevin Garnett, taking place in 2012 over the course of the Sixers Celtics series. Thought it was absolutely outstanding. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty awesome movie. Adam Sandler is phenomenal in it. The whole plot keeps you on your toes it's great uh it's funny seeing the seeing that series that 2012 Sixers Celtics series which uh if you don't remember the Sixers and Celtics go to seven games and yeah I don't I don't want to give too much else away but it is outstanding you don't even need to I was thinking about this earlier of, of trying to recommend it to some friends who aren't sports fans uh you'll you might appreciate it more if you gamble but it's he does such a good job in the movie of portraying this kind of unlikable dude who you find yourself rooting for, and I don't know if you've seen it and you have other opinions or you wanna you wanna celebrate with me of how awesome it is because I think Adam Sandler's at least gonna get nominated for an Oscar. He might even fucking win it. Let me know again at me, but let's let's dive into the decade stuff. I know that's that's something that a lot of people probably are tuning in for. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it's something a, a wild idea, but. It's definitely something I wanted to do because it's uh, <clears throat> interesting to think about 10 years ago where I was in terms of life, in terms of career, which at that time I was in college, in terms of the sports stuff because that was, you know, kind of you know, a little bit about things. But let's jump into it. We're going to start with me as a warning. Some of this might get gushy. So uh, if you're not a fan of that, I'm sorry, but you know, here we go. Uh so 10 years ago, 2010, f really the, the start of 2010, middle of my freshman year of Lehigh, uh, just finished up my first semester where I had met Mr. Matty D. He's one of my first friends at orientation. And uh, yeah, it's kind of a weird place to be. You know, it's it's one of those things where you have all your friends in the dorm. You're not entirely sure what you want to major in. I thought I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to do this five-year program Lee I had. And it would be later in 2010 that I decided I wanted to try to do the sports thing and tried to make that happen. And ended up doing the ESPN radio internship that turned into a producer job. And that, you know, turned into starting the Thunder blog. And while doing that, getting into finance. And, you know, and it's cool to think about where over the course of 10 years and putting it into that frame we've been. For those that don't know, I, I graduated and started the blog as a way to keep up my my profile for sports and while 
trying to get a job and then ended up getting into finance and, and liked it for the most part and it told, ended up not being totally for me. Uh, still had another job I wasn't totally a fan of, ended up getting let go two years ago or, or almost two years ago at this point. Uh, and decided to try to make a run at the sports thing again and, and that kind of happy accident turned me uh, onto tech and, and coding and, and now work there. So it's it's funny to think of the that it's one free flow of how one thing has led to another in my lifetime and and a lot of that you know has brought me here I you know with the blog and doing all of that stuff I always liked doing radio I did that in college for those that don't know and, and you know that led into the podcast and it was a great way to continue to chat with Greg and to have an excuse to talk to Greg every week like we did in college you know I used to you know call each other up and BS on the phone on a random, you know, whatever evening, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Or, and actually, the, the precursor of it was in 2010 during the final season of Lost, which we'll get into at TV and movies. But Greg and I would call each other after every episode and be like, what do you think? What do you think this meant? What do you think that meant? And it was pretty cool. To, it was pretty cool. So it's fun that kind of it's a full swing that in 2010, Greg and I were talking for hours about Lost and now we're talking for hours about baseball, football, hockey hopefully golf and all this different stuff. Uh, but obviously, too, in the middle of the decade, I met Emily, my fiance. It's fun to say that. And she's been awesome. Uh, she's helped me get more and more into basketball. She's a huge Sixers fan, season ticket holder. For now, her fourth season. And I wouldn't be as big of a basketball fan as I am now if not for her. So, Emily, thank you for that. Thank you for reigniting the NBA. Because every year I kept saying, I'm, I want to get into it and wouldn't really pay attention until the playoffs, um, which, thankfully, at the time that I met her, was the depths of the process, so I had that to focus on instead of the NBA playoffs, because starting right around when I met you, after that first Warriors-Cavs series, the NBA playoffs were not as fun, although that 16, 16 playoffs were fun with the uh, the OKC, OKC almost uh, taking down the Warriors, but... Let's let's talk other sports though, because it's it's fun to think where we are and where we've been. I'm gonna keep it somewhat personal, but also think on the the grander sense of, you know, we'll start with baseball and you'll get what I mean. Uh, so ten years ago, Phillies coming off of being the 2009 NL champs, losing six games to the Yankees, uh, all the way to the Nationals now being the World Series champions. Ten years ago, you had Steven Strasburg being his debut in the summer of 2010, which is kind of crazy to think about. He just got that huge extension with the Nationals, ends up being the World Series MVP. And yeah, it's everywhere in between where the Phillies kind of went through their own version of a process of having to do a little bit of a rebuild, building up this giant farm system, going from Ruben Amaro Jr. to Matt Klintak, having all these different managers throughout the 2010s from Charlie Manuel, that 2011 team that you would have wished could have made a, a run more so than Cliff Lebel on the four-run lead in Game 2 against the Cardinals to Ryan Howard rupturing his Achilles on that final strike. That 2012 team that showed some promise and then ended up trading Shane Victorino and Hunter Pence. You know, Hunter Pence they acquired at the trade deadline just a year earlier uh, to some really tough years. And through there, you know, ended up making some new friends, ended up starting a podcast around baseball, and it's crazy where the league is now of that the home run the the three the you know the the i keep screwing up what it's called but the strike either the three truths strikeout home run or a 
I forget what it is. I completely screwed this up. But you know, <laughs> ah, Jesus, it's but um, it's funny to think about where baseball is. That the home run ball has become more and more of a big part of the game. Small ball is going away. Whether or not the DH will be a part of baseball, even in a couple years, where the where Major League Baseball might be with expansion talking, and it's fun to think about what the 2020s might bring to it. Hopefully, a World Series championship to Philadelphia. Because it's now been over 10 years since the Phillies made the World Series, which is crazy to think about, but that's that's where it is. Bryce Harper obviously making his his debut and now a member of the Phillies. Um, and a lot of different cool players that have made their debuts and, and some players that have said their goodbyes. And, and the 2010s, definitely a weird transition point of going from the, you know, the, the big poppies of the world to now seeing the Harpers, the Mike Trouts, all these different players. So... You know, that, that's fun to think about, and, and obviously the connections that it's made in my personal life have been awesome, too. Talking hockey, next. Uh, ten years ago, the Flyers won the Eastern Conference. And it's been a weird decade in in the, the history of the Flyers franchise. Haven't won a series in, in what will be eight years this spring since they beat the Penguins in 2012. After making the Cup run in ten, then they make a run to the second round where they lose the Bruins. In 2011, and then 2012, losing the second round to the Devils after beating the Penguins. Um, yeah, they have. They've only made the playoffs in 14, 16, and 18, losing in all three, uh, in seven to the Rangers, and six to the Caps, and six to the Penguins. And yeah, it's it's been a weird run for them of soft rebuild, maybe, and how they're trying to do it. New GMs. Going from Holmgren to Hextall to now Fletcher and a bunch of different coaches. It'll be very, very interesting in seeing where they're going. The league itself, we had the lockout in 2012. Uh, we've seen the rise of more and more outdoor games, which I think are fun to help build the game. We've reached a saturation point. Now it's turned into a couple out, you know, a few less outdoor games, but still having more than just the Winter Classic, which obviously debuted before 2010, but. Um, you know it'll it'll be very fun to see the more where outdoor games go and how successful this upcoming New Year's Day will be down in in Dallas for the uh, Winter Classic and at the Cotton Bowl. Golf, we're gonna break up the four majors with golf, and that is probably gonna be one of the bigger ones for me of a sport that I had always paid attention to in in terms of the PGA Tour. Obviously, Tiger Woods was a dominant figure. In the previous decade, 2000 to 2009, of you know winning all those different majors, and it was over 10 years ago now. It was Thanksgiving 2009 that he has this moment of his wife chasing him out of the house with a nine iron, and he runs into into the telephone pole and the fire hydrant. And the decade that was was redemption for Tiger, at least on the PGA Tour, and it was fun as a fan and someone who. He was the reason why I got into golf and why I loved watching it. And from that and seeing whether or not he could win another major as it went from you know a couple years to five years to eight years to then finding other players that I really enjoyed. And if you've been a longtime reader of the Thunder blog, you might remember the Dormy posts that I did. You may remember how big of a fan of Rory that I am. You know, Brooks Kepka's come onto the scene. Dustin Johnson's been untouchable at times. Jordan Spieth had the unreal year in 2015, which is really crazy to think about that it was five years ago, and that he hasn't even won a major since 2017. At this point, when he's when at times he looks untouchable, 
Adam Scott has he won a major in 2013 after all the stuff with Stevie Williams and the fall out of Tiger, and obviously him winning in 2019, Tiger Woods winning the Masters, and it's a perfect way to cap it that he ends up being the captain right at the end of the decade to win the to win the Presidents Cup. He leads them in one of the greatest comebacks ever, and redemption is the name of the game for the decade and. In terms on a personal level, golf was something that I'd always grew up, you know, taking lessons here and there. And in 2010, I tried to pick it up again and got my actually got my golf bag and my first set of clubs um, that I actually ended up trading in for the clubs that I use now. But uh, trading with my grandfather, he uh, has a number of different clubs that he has just stored away at his house. And um, yeah, it, but then I didn't really pick it up until 2012 when. Did a, had a summer internship at, at home and ended up playing a lot at Gulf Mills where I, I'm now joined as a member. So it's it's kind of crazy to think about how much I, where I've come from of of not really ever playing it and being you know, this player that had never really picked it up and was slicing it left and right, not left and right, was slicing it all right as right-handed golfer. And now I host a golf tournament every year of the Thunder Cup, and now I'm slowly but surely trying to be, you know, trying to get better and better. Uh, I have some goals in terms of the golf course for 2019 or for 2020 uh, that I'll probably share at some other point. Maybe I'll put it on, do the Justin Thomas, and put it on on Instagram or something. But that's one that I think has been pretty cool, and and I didn't really talk about it at all with, with baseball. Uh, I talked about it a lot in, in the post uh, the day after the anniversary, but the relationship that I had with my dad of of that I played it a lot with him, or a little bit with him, but it was something that was it meant a lot to him and it meant a lot to me. And the times that we did get to cross over on the golf course, uh, which were it wasn't like we never played together, but the times that we did get to play together really meant a ton. And seeing where ten years ago me picking it up and thinking of it as another way to connect with my dad and where it ended up being by the time that he died in 2018 and where it continues to be and you know, and his, his legacy and all that at, at Gulf Mills and, you know, around his different friends in Philadelphia. Um, it's just fun. It's, it's great to see where, where it is. And I don't want to get too mushy. I don't want to, you know, get emotional further beyond that. So we'll go over to football 10 years ago, very similar to what happened this past week. The Eagles, on a last-second Week 17 victory, pull it out in terms of making the playoffs, and they do it with a win over the Cowboys. And um, you know, then that that 2009-10 run didn't end up working out because they ended up losing to the Cowboys in that uh, in that first week in 2010, and then in, in 2000 in the 2009-2010 playoffs, and then in 2010. Uh, end up winning the NFC East and losing to the Packers, who end up winning the Super Bowl, and that that was a lot of it. And then the Chip Kelly era happened. You had the Vince Young dream team that that effectively started the end of or before the Chip Kelly era, effectively ended the the Andy Reid era. Then Chip Kelly comes in, seems like he's revolutionizing football. At the same time, Archie Three is on the scene with the NFL, uh, with the Redskins, and and it seems like the NFL is revolutionizing with dual threat quarterbacks. And is the spread going to is gonna, is it going to completely change how the NFL is going to work? And it very quickly didn't. RG three ends up becoming this glass cannon of a quarterback, and Chip Kelly gets fired in the middle of his third year with the Eagles. 
And in comes Doug Peterson, and a lot of moves were made. Trades were hit, were made for Carson Wentz. A lot of different trades that that ended up being the snowball effect of crazy trades that Chip Kelly made, and it ended up resulting in the first ever Super Bowl for Philly, uh, which was awesome. It was the first one I got to experience in Philadelphia because the Phillies won when I was still up at Berkshire in 2008, and getting to go to that parade and seeing Jason Kelsey make that incredible speech. It's something that I'll always cherish, and, and the fact that it happened in kind of this, this cool decade in the formative years of my adulthood it is fun to look back at. And where the NFL is now, being this air raid league with Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson making dual threat, maybe have a renaissance, but also being this gunslinger, and it's it's cool. The NFL is a really cool spot. I know that a lot of people complain about that, that there's a lot of bullshit penalties that'll benefit the offenses and all this different stuff. And where does defense come in, player safety and all that sort of stuff. You could lump that in with hockey too of, of where the league is now comparatively to where it was 10 years ago, definitely comparatively to where it was 20 years ago, running back by committee in the NFL too, uh, you know, in comparison to where rushing titles are and all this different stuff. But I think it's in a fun spot. It makes playing fantasy football a lot more intriguing than just having a couple guys that you basically throw everything on you got to be a little more dynamic which i always like but it's cool it's fun and i'm, I'm excited to see where that all goes basketball probably going to be one of the shorter ones uh unless i really start to ramble about the process but 10 years ago pre-process sixers you found yourself in a weird spot for a number of years as a sixers fan where they going back to uncut gems they they somehow go to Game 7 of the second round because Derrick Rose got hurt and then sign Andrew Bynum, who gets hurt bowling. Then all of a sudden, Sam Hinkie takes over and the process happens. And that's something we can do on a podcast another time. But it it's fun to think about how crazy that era was of Sixers basketball. Because right when we are starting the Thunder blog... Of talking about shit, they're they're tanking, they're doing all this stuff. Is it going to work? Is Hinky a crazy person? All the different trades you want. I mean, I talked about that with Sam Hink with uh, Chip Kelly, and then with, with making the trade for Carson Wentz. I mean, the the Sam Hinky trades and everything, acquiring assets left and right, and all this different stuff. You knew it made sense if you thought about it, and it was crazy, absolutely insane to see where this whole thing was going, because then you have Joel Embiid get drafted in 2014, Dario Sarge right after that, and it was nuts. Joel was hurt. Dario was in Europe. People were saying Dario was never coming over, and he came over. Joel got healthy, and now where the team is is incredible, and comparatively to the rest of the NBA, it's been the decade of LeBron. You had... 2010 be the last year he's in Cleveland. He has that crazy series against the Celtics where storms off the court and you can tell he's basically done. Then the decision. Then the eight straight years in the finals. That's what this decade is defined by. Is LeBron setting that record? The fact though that he comes out three and five. You know, is I. You can say all the stuff of, of where you put him on the greatest player of all time list, but eight years in a row, three and five. Is still impressive, especially with that Cavs team in 2016 that overcomes the 3-1 
deficit against the Warriors, and you got to be happy with them. That's something I didn't even mention with baseball. The Cubs won a World Series this decade. That's fucking crazy. Um, along with a number of other teams that won their first championships or anything like that. But the, the fact that the what on basketball that LeBron did that is is crazy. It's awesome. And he certainly puts himself in the conversation of one of the best. I think Michael Jordan is better. You can at me. Certainly at me. But it's crazy now that he's gone from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, into L.A. all within this decade. You can talk about different stuff of of do the of where player power and that dynamic is in the NBA, of him or different players and making their decisions or different teams trying to sign different players and all the stuff that happened last offseason with Kawhi and him eventually signing with the Clippers and the Lakers really putting their chips into trying to get him and all this different stuff and all, where the player power dynamic comes into it is certainly something to, to discuss and it all started with a decision which is kind of crazy that again in the, the decade wrap up that you've kind of seen that evolve but I don't know. It was, it was a fun fun decade to pay attention throughout the playoffs, and then eventually, once I met Emily, pay attention throughout the regular season because the NBA loves its drama, and the drama is certainly there. I mean, I didn't even get into the Colangelo shit with the Sixers, all that stuff, the burner accounts. I mean, it's insane. It's oh my god. Um, I am excited to see where how petty. The NBA gets into the 2020s. Uh, the last thing, though, I wanted to talk about was TV and movies. Uh, I mentioned Lost in 2010. It's kind of funny to think about where my fandom has gone in terms of different TV shows and you know movies in general. But we'll get to movies in a second. Um, but for TV shows in general, you know, you had Lost air its final season in 2010, the first controversial ending. You know, with with its end and and whether you know different shit with that, and you know how I met your mother was a show that I you know, would get into pretty much in its wake that was airing its fifth season at the start of two thousand you know in two thousand ten when uh, the calendar flipped, and then it had its tumultuous end in two thousand fourteen. Parks and Rec was only airing its second season in two thousand ten, which is also insane to think about. The Office was in it was. Getting towards its peak, it probably had already gone over the hill. Michael Scott leaves in the the season of 2010-2011, my, my sophomore year of college. Um, but it had a great... It ended in 2013. Great finale. And then a number of other shows. Game of Thrones is a year away from premiering on HBO. You have Mad Men. You have Breaking Bad, both of which premiered in the previous decade in the aughts but really hit their strides as peak television and both ended in the the middle of the decade, 13 and 15 respectively. But it was an incredible decade of television, I think, where TV is now of a number of different shows, both on premium premium television of HBO, the Netflixes of the world, which that was something that really emerged in this decade too, of binging, of having just streaming available and, and where that was comparatively to 10 years ago where Hulu and had just become a thing and, and different networks had their own streaming sites on ABC.com or CBS.com or Fox.com or, or what have you. 
and they it was so primitive and and how it worked and buffer times and all this different stuff and now where we are of hulu has original programming netflix has original programming disney has their own streaming service which we're going to get we're going to talk about star wars in a minute so mandalorian will come over there which that's another recommendation if you haven't been watching that season finale aired last week it was awesome and you don't even need to at me because you should agree if you watch that show. But anyway, um, TV's in a really cool spot. And I think there's going to be, in this decade, I think there's going to be some sort of some sort of impasse of figuring out where the streaming wars go and do, basically, do, do who groups up with who. Because it's going to ha- something's going to happen to that of people are going to lease out rights of certain shows, like you've seen with certain international shows, go to Netflix or to Hulu or something like that, like the Shits Creeks of the world or the Letter Kennys, or we'll, we'll see what happens. We might see like an NBC show have some sort of deal of being able to be on Hulu or what have you, because I know NBC's coming out with their own, I believe later this year. But it's, it's it, TV's in a very good spot. Good television shows still exist. If you're worried about having to buy 30 different streaming packages, find a find a, a torrent site or something. I don't know. Because if you want to watch all the TV, the internet exists for a reason. Movies. The final topic. Mentioned Star Wars. We'll start there. The sequel trilogy happened in this decade. Disney buying Lucasfilm happened in this decade. And it's crazy to think about that 10 years ago, all we had, our last memory of Star Wars was five years earlier. In 2010, we were five years removed from Revenge of the Sith. We're five years away from The Force Awakens. Very strange to think about. And then all of a sudden, Disney, out of nowhere... During the 2012 elections, Obama versus Romney is dominating the news all over the place, and Disney decides to buy Star Wars. And there's a South Park about it where they it almost seems like they're redoing the 2008 election episode, and it ends up being about Disney. Actually kind of funny, not, not as good as the 08 episode, but that's South Park, another time. J.J. Abrams gets thrown on for The Force Awakens. Nobody knows what to think. The movie comes out. Everybody loves it. How much you care or don't care that it's of its similarities to episode four, whatever. Two years later, The Last Jedi comes out. In between there is Rogue One, possibly the greatest the greatest Star Wars movie of the 2000s. I'll put it that way. I don't think it's better than any of the original trilogy. Uh, maybe better than Return of the Jedi, but I am a big fan of that movie. Last Jedi comes out. Mm. You know, it has its detractors. I still have not rewatched it since I saw it in the theaters. Solo comes out as this seemingly next step of anthology films. Doesn't do very well. And, you know, and now anthology films may or may not still be happening with Star Wars. Not as frequent, certainly, uh, as we have. We aren't going to be seeing one in 2020 we'll be seeing you know the mandalorian season two which has been awesome again season one go binge it now on disney plus um or the disney streaming service i don't 
No free ads. Rise Skywalker just came out. I mentioned before, I, I am a fan of that movie. I did like it. I really enjoyed I had a fun two, two and a half hour long that movie was at the movies. It was, it was a very ex- enjoyable experience. I know there's some plot holes that you can poke into it, and I fully recognize those. But again, it's Star Wars. It's supposed to be fun. And it was, it was just a great time in the movies. But I don't want to bog down my whole movie talk. I'm just talking about Star Wars. Because the 2010s for me, it was about going from just watching comedies and action movies, which I still enjoy the shit out of, to watching, paying more attention to the movie business and, and the Oscars and all this different stuff and going to see a movie like an Uncut Gems, which maybe I would have seen 10 years ago because it's Adam Sandler and it's a somewhat sports movie and it has to do with, you know, because the Sixers are involved, but I don't think I would have appreciated it as much as I do now. And I think that growing through there and watching movies, getting more into different directors and, and being able to distinguish their certain styles. Um, I don't know. It's where movies are now is it's, it's in, they're in a good spot. And I think we have great directors like Tarantino, like Christopher Nolan, um, that, that do great jobs making movies. Scorsese just made an awesome movie in the Irishman. But you also have stuff like the MCU to keep yourself entertained. And where that was 10 years ago, comparatively to now, I mean, you had Iron Man 2 coming out in the, in May of 2010, and you weren't entirely sure if this thing was going to work. You know, the, the Avengers comes out in 2012, and that really kick-started the quality era of those movies. Because you had Iron Man 2, which wasn't very good. Captain America was is okay. Better on rewatching. Thor was alright, not the greatest, and Thor 2 was pretty terrible. And, and and then finally you get Captain America 2, you get Guardians of the Galaxy, you get all this different stuff, and it, t- it takes off to the juggernaut that it is today. So I think movies are in a fun spot that if you can appreciate good films, but also can, all, can sit down for a mindless two-hour movie and not take it too seriously, whether it is Marvel whether it is Star Wars, whatever it happens to be, if you can just keep yourself entertained. I know there's still going to be shit that comes out, and that's what the Raz- the Golden Raspberries are for. It's why the internet exists, to shit on the movies of the world that uh, are so bad that they're so memeable, like cats or something like that. Um, but I don't know. I'm rambling a little bit about that. i got to wrap this thing up. Uh, but as this decade wraps up, because we've now hit... Officially New Year's Eve on the East Coast. It is 12.02 on on, almost July, on December 31st. I just want to say, guys, thank you so much for a great 2019. I'm going to write this in the blog and talk about that a little bit more tomorrow, or I guess today. But this isn't anything without you guys, and you guys have been awesome. You guys give me great feedback. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to Greg for being awesome co-hosts. You're both the best. Two of my best friends in the world. Um, and thanks to Emily for being the best fiance. Thanks to the guest hosts that, that come on. The guests uh, like Jared, like Mike Clark, like... Uh, trying to think of other, other guys that jumped on at, as full-fledged guest hosts. But 
we've had a lot of friends on this, and I lo- you know you guys listening means a ton, and your feedback means a ton. Knowing that there are people out there that that care, um, but I you know guys, I hope you have a great New Year's. If you're listening to this on New Year's Eve, I hope you have a great New Year's Eve. If you're listening to it after that, I hope 2020 brings you everything that you want and more. Some hopefully. You know, it brings us all what what we want in a happy and healthy new year and all that good stuff. But from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Uh, but for the Thunderblog, for the last time in this decade, I am the G-Man. We'll talk to you in the new year. Greg and I coming at you with a playoff preview on New Year's Day. Have a good one, guys, and fly, Eagles, fly.